You're listening to the You're Smarter Than Us podcast, Asheville's premier soccer podcast. Guys, welcome back to another episode of You're Smarter Than Us. I've got John Frashante with me. How you doing, John? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. John, um, guys, if you haven't heard it, please, please go out, seek out the first team podcast. It's a New York Cosmos-centric podcast. John, you do a great job with that. It's one of my favorite NPSL podcasts, and it's soon to be one of my favorite um, NPSL pro podcasts. Um, could, could we talk for a minute a little bit about how you got into soccer and specifically the Cosmos? Yeah, for sure. So um, fast forward, I think it was like 2012, 2013. So I was in high school in one of the boroughs in New York City. It's called Staten Island, right? And uh, I was walking out I, I, I of high school. And I saw this city bus, right? So on the banner, it said, uh, the, the cosmos are back, right? So I'm pretty young. I'm 21, really, right? And, um, my dad talked all about the cosmos, right? From back in the day. So he never went to the games. He was in Italy, right? So he sort of heard about it. But when he came to America, it was too late, right? They went out of business. So, um, it, 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 it was basically a time for, me to go watch the games with my dad you know what i mean so um we went to go see the games and ever since um we've been going to the games and enjoying the cosmos and then from there i started a podcast because um there was no um dedicated media outlet or a big mainstream media outlet covering the cosmos there were some um some outlets talking about the cosmos here and there when there was like some big announcements like raul's here or plays at the game, or you know what I mean, like mm -hmm. big uh, events like that. But there were no um, like beat writers, um, like there might be for the Giants or um, for the Mets, right? Some big teams in the New York market, but not um, for the New York Cosmos. I don't know why. Uh, maybe they don't care for soccer, or maybe they don't think they're that big enough, really. Um, but in my heart, and to thousands of Cosmos fans across the country and across the world. They are important. You know what I mean? They are our major league and big league club. Absolutely. And who was the owner back in 2012? Yeah, that guy was named, his, his name was Seamus O'Brien. Um, and, uh, he was not so active as Rocco. Um, we didn't really get to see him that often. He didn't talk that often, uh, in the public. That's why they, they had, um, their chief operating officer. He talked often. His name was Eric Stover. Um, so we sort of got the management instead of the owner talking to the fan base. And they were in the NASL? Yeah, the time? North American Soccer League. Yeah, so that was the first season in the NASL until 2017, I believe. That was Rocco's first and final season in the NASL. And you guys had decent success from what I understand. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We won a couple of championships. One at home, I believe. I forgot what year that was, but we played against the Ottawa Fury, which now they play in the USL. And yeah, so we won in our first season against the Silverbacks. But mm -hmm. we came in because early on in the North American Soccer League, they had a split season, right? So they had uh, a spring season and a fall season, which was pretty cool if you actually think about it because you had some games in the spring and then you would take time off, right? So there would be a spring winner, right? And then they would play let's say 15 more games right in the fall and then wh whoever won both 
seasons would play in a championship, right? Mm-hmm. But then they changed that to be spring and fall, but then there's four teams that make it to the championship. So there would be like the, the spring and the fall table and then the combined table, right? So it was pretty confusing, but it was pretty cool at the same time. Um, but then, um, a, a, as we all know, um, they went out of business, the North American Soccer League. Rocco is suing, and the North American Soccer League, they're suing the United States Soccer Federation and Major League Soccer, um, and that's still ongoing. So you guys chose to not slide into the USL. You actually decided to become amateur, and you came into the NPSL. Do you know why they chose to do that? Well, see, from sort of day one, right, the Cosmos, when they when they were in the North American Soccer League, they had a New York Cosmos B team, which was their reserve team. So we won the NPSL championship in our first season as a B team, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, ever since, we had the B team. But then the season after Rock about the team, which was the last season in the NASL this past summer, we didn't have a first team. We didn't have a, a, a professional Cosmos team, right? Um, so we operated as a B team last summer in the NPSL because he's suing and the North American Soccer League is suing the United States Soccer Federation. And I think they just wanted to see what was going on. You know what I mean? Because I feel that Rocco doesn't want to put his money into the team, into U.S. soccer, when he really doesn't have a say. He doesn't have a a chance to see what's going on. You know what I mean? Um, because he says that he doesn't care about losing money, right? There's owners that care, right? He's a billionaire. I guess he, he, he doesn't care to give 18, 19, or however m- much it costs to run a, a soccer team. You know what I mean? So um, that's what's going on. And then now we're going to be a part of this professional um, division that is in association with the NPSL. And uh, that will start with the NPSL Founders Cup, which I think you're excited about. Um, and then in 2020 with the full professional league, which I'm looking forward to as well. Um, and there's a, a lot of moving parts with that, right? Um, I, I, I've tried to get, um, clarification. I've tried to get some answers from owners, right? Besides Rocco. Um, but they seem pretty, uh, quiet because they don't want to release that much information before the AGM. But after the, NPSL AGM, they're going to release a lot more information on like the structure um, of the Founders Cup and I guess of the full professional season. Um, there will be the official name and the branding, which I, I've been told January to February that will be out of 2019. So we we will get a lot more information, I guess, club based and a, as a league as well. So you you keep saying Rocco. Can you explain who he is and why he has so much money? Yeah, <laughs> so Rocco Camiso, he owns uh, MediaCom Communications, which is basically a, a cable company. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's the fifth largest cable company in the country. Um, so that that's what he started that that has um, his billions of dollars, and uh, he invested it in the Cosmos in um, 2017, which was the final season in the NASL. Um, but now he's stuck with, uh, the club, right? He's sort of fighting against the Federation, fighting against Major League Soccer at the moment. Um, because the Cosmos, they're a, a very different and unique uh, soccer club in America, right? Because there's no other club like it. It's sort of us against the country, us against the world, really. 
um, because a, a lot of fans hate the Cosmos for so many different reasons. Maybe they don't like the Cosmos because um, they don't like what we stand for. Maybe they don't like that we're going against maybe the system, right? There's a lot of fans that think that way, that say, why don't you just join USL, but USL mm-hmm. doesn't want us, right? So where does the Cosmos go? We can't go Major League Soccer because I guess they don't want us. And two, why would you want to pay $100 million to sort of lose your branding, lose your club? Mm-hmm. Um, USL, I think they still have those um, standards, maybe to a lower extent, but it's, I think it's $5 million, the expansion fee. And then there's USL D3. Again, it's still the USL branding. Um, you have the new league NISA, but Rocco, and I guess some other owners don't want to take part in the professional league standards that U.S. Soccer Federation has, um, which limits uh, the market size, right? You you only have to have a certain amount of people in your market. You have to have a certain amount of money to own a team, which from the Federation standpoint makes sense, right? Because they don't want someone just, say, owning a team for a year or two and then just leaving because they don't have the money or they don't want to do it anymore. Um, but for a long-term success of a league, a open league, I don't think the PLS makes sense really. And that's why they're going this new route here with NPSL Pro where they could be sanctioned under the United States Adult Soccer Association, which they still have their own standards, but not so strictly really. Um, can Can you explain a little bit about what the lawsuit, what, what the foundation mm-hmm. of the lawsuit is against the USSF? And um, is some involved in that? I think so, but I'm not too sure on that part there. But the lawsuit is about how Major League Soccer and and, uh, the United States Soccer Federation have been uh, sort of working against, I guess, the league. You know what I mean? Um, Because it it came out um, during the lawsuit that uh, the owner of North uh, Carolina FC, his name is Stephen Malik, uh, he was on the board of the North American Soccer League, but he knew that his team wasn't going to leave the, uh, no, he knew that his team was leaving the league, right? But he never told the, the, the North American Soccer League, right? Um, so he was sort of working behind their backs. So basically the lawsuit is saying how the, the North American Soccer League was doing their own thing, right? They were trying to be successful, but the other organizations in U.S. soccer have stopped them from doing that, right? Because the United States Soccer Federation, in in the final season in the North America Soccer League, um, they gave them a um, they gave them a, a a provision to um, to try to grow their league and be up to the minimum amount of clubs because I think after six years you have to have twelve teams. But the league had that amount of teams earlier. But what happened was over time they left. They went to Major League Soccer. They went to USL for whatever reason, right? The North American Soccer League, they were an open league. You can do whatever you want. You owned your own team. You paid your players whatever you wanted. There were no um, uh, league rules to that extent. Um, and that's what they're fighting in court is that they have been hurt by the current system of U.S. soccer. And they want to strike down the, the professional league standards mm-hmm. in, in court. Um, which, if that happens, the United States Soccer Federation they can't sanction leagues anymore, right? Because what's the standard? There will be no standard. And Rocco and the people involved in the lawsuit, they're not suing for promotion and relegation, right? That's what a lot of people were talking about. Like, oh, this lawsuit, if this happens, it's for pro-rel. That's not what they're doing, but I think it's 
it, it, it's it's the foundation of that, right? Because if there's no um, PLS, if there's no standards to say you have to have a certain amount of money, you have to have a team in a certain market with a certain amount of people in that market, then you can fully implement promotion and relegation. But do they want to do that? The United States Soccer Federation, Major League Soccer, probably not, right? Uh, because they have their own thing going for them. But in the long game, there might be other leagues that want to. Maybe Rocco wants to start a league with promotion and relegation. Maybe that's the NPSL Pro League in 2020. Who knows? But uh, I, I, I just think that it's really exciting uh, what's going on in U.S. soccer. Yeah, I, I hope people keep their expectations in check with NPSL Pro at least for a little while. I, I mm-hmm. certainly think people thought straight out of the gate it was going to be an open system with no fees mm-hmm. and... I think the advocates for it want that, but most advocates with their heads on straight understand that that's that's the long-term goal and every decision made needs to go towards that, but there's going to be some lateral moves to set up a foundation at first. So I, I certainly hope people keep that in mind. So what do you expect? What do you expect for the Cosmos next year? You're going to participate just in the regular NPSL Summer League. What what do you hope for the founders? What do you hope for the Cosmos in 2020? Well, see, I I don't think I I can predict on the field, right? Because we don't know what the team's going to look like and things like that. But more off the field, right? Because all we have really is Rocco owning the team at the moment. So there needs to be a management team put in place. There needs to be a team put together. Um, we need to hire a coach, right? So there's so many things that has to happen between now and the summer season and then the Founders Cup and then in 2020. Um, but basically, I, I just want to see the Cosmos um, sell uh, enough tickets, sell enough sponsorships, and just put the best product on the field and the best, I guess, fan product in, in the stadium as well. Because when Rocco bought the team, um, and he was getting ready for the 2017 season in the North America Soccer League, he was saying how um, they sold like record amount of season tickets, and there was commercials for once, right? There were commercials. There was a big marketing campaign throughout the city. They were on like the subway trains in the five boroughs. So that's cool to see the Cosmos have that sort of presence in the city. Because before we were out in Long Island at, at Hofstra University, and no one really knew who we were um, besides a a couple of billboards here and there, and the word of mouth. Oh, they have Raul. Oh, they have Senna, right? Mm-hmm. That doesn't work in the New York market, word of mouth. Imagine if the Knicks had word of mouth, right? <laughs> but they didn't have billions of dollars. You know what I mean? No one yeah. would go see them. No one cares for a small little team in New York City. Um, so finally, we have someone who cares for the team, someone who has the money to sort of back up what he says. You know what I mean? And uh, he... He could put the best product on the field, but with um, the fans in the seats as well watching the product, which I, I think is the best thing for uh, the Founders' Cup next season. Where, where do you guys play your games? That has not been announced yet, okay. but uh, last season we played at MCU Park, which is a minor league baseball stadium in Coney Island, Brooklyn. I don't know if you or your listeners know about Coney Island in Brooklyn, but it's basically where there's they have the original Nathan's Mm-hmm. Uh, hot dog stand there. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's more than a stand. It, it, it's basically a massive business there. Um, and each Fourth of July, they have the hot dog eating contest, and then there, there, there's a broadwalk there. It's 
in front of the water. You can go to the beach, right? So basically, what's cool about um, Coney Island is that you can spend the day and then go to the game at night. So I think that's why there was an increase in um, fans coming to the matches because it's more of a summer destination for people to spend some time. There's an amusement park right by. There's the famous uh, Cyclone roller coaster that is right next to the stadium. So it, it, it's a very iconic uh, stadium in New York City, um, but it's the uh, short season affiliate of the New York Mets. Uh, so it, it, ho- it currently holds 7,000 people. But it's a nice facility. It gives the Cosmos a professional look on and off the field, and especially for the fans. Uh, you have seat backs finally, because at Hofstra they have bleachers. Um, for fans at Hofstra, they couldn't drink beer in their seats because of the rules at the university. Now you can finally drink beers in your seats. There's great concession stands. There's professional bathrooms. You know what I mean? So it, 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 it's a higher standard for the fans and for the players. And so it sounds like you kind of hope they go back to that. Yeah, because I wrote a piece on First Team Podcast's website, firstteampod.com, trying to look through where they might go based off of where they played over the years. Because in New York City, there's not that many outdoor soccer-specific stadiums. There's none, really, besides Red Bull Arena. So you really have to pick a field and just go play there and try to build um, your club up throughout the years. And I, I think it might be MCU Park, but but then on the other hand, it might be too expensive, right? Because we're not playing in a professional league. Okay, Rocco Camiso is a billionaire, but does he want to lay out so much money in a uh, professional league, but not sanctioned by U.S. soccer? You know what I mean? Because maybe local fans might know what's going on, but maybe um, they don't. You know what I mean? That's the thing, because maybe some people within the media or whatever, they might say, oh, uh, the rebel... Uh, arena it's a professional environment the red bulls they're sanctioned by u.s soccer right their first division right that that's what people do in the new york market oh that's minor league i'm not going there's fans in the past that said oh the cosmos they have bleachers i can't drink beer in my seat you know what i mean they don't want to go to the games anymore that's not a, a a true fan you go if it's raining if it's snowing whatever you go if there's bleachers if, if you're standing you love the club you go support it right and I think the Cosmos have that and they will have success in the Founders Cup. Whatever happens with that, I'm absolutely thrilled. I think it's a step in the right direction. I think the clubs that have kind of stepped up, I don't know much about the clubs out West, Cal United and, and mm-hmm. FC Arizona. Um, the ones here, the two Miami clubs, even the Milwaukee club, I'm a little bit more familiar with. Do you think going into that 2020 season that we're going to see a jump in um, membership after the Founders Cup? Or are they really going to try to go into that season with only maybe 11 or 12 clubs? I uh, saw so around Twitter that they might want to, I think, I think I saw 20 clubs for 2020. I'm not too sure, but... um. I guess that's the work in progress at, at the NPSL AGM. They might work through those things, right? Because I could be wrong, but most of the members at the moment in the the NPSL Pro, they're current members of the NPSL, right? Mm-hmm. So they might fill those slots with current members at the moment. Because see, I, I, at the moment, the National Premier Soccer League has their expansion requirements, right? How much money you have to invest, I guess, your budget for the season, right? Mm-hmm. But for NPSL Pro, and this is what I was trying to figure out, but they wouldn't tell me right now, but I wanted to sort of understand what's the requirements for this professional league, right? 
do you have to have the same amount of money, right? Because that's why you're, you're creating this because you don't want to take part in the U.S. Soccer Federation Professional League standards, which dictate how much money you have to mm-hmm. have, which dictate uh, how many employees you have to have, right? So U.S. Soccer is telling you how to operate your club. But maybe that's for, for the better, right? But in the National Premier Soccer League Professional Division, do they have those same standards? Which they didn't want to tell me, but hopefully they tell me in the near future. Because I think that's really interesting because you do see like the Torrent, the Cosmos, right? They were a professional team, but they are a member of the NPSL. You have FC Arizona, member of the NPSL. What's the difference between the Summer League? There has to be one. What's the difference from the Summer League to... Um, this professional league and the Founders Cup off the field, not on the field, right? Off the field, the business side. What's the difference? Yeah, there's some clubs that I think are going to be able to do it without blinking. I think Chattanooga and Detroit, as soon mm-hmm. as you add in the extra games, I think every game basically justifies being able to pay something. So, um, yeah, yeah. you know, Detroit plays, I think... I think Dion told me they play something like 12 home games if you add in friendlies and internationals and stuff. That's basically an NPSL pro schedule right there. 12 home games, um, 12 away games, 12 home games. You add in more friendlies, you add in more internationals. Um, and maybe playoffs, right? A championship yep. match if they make it. Um, exactly. And so every additional game, that's one more player you can Play, uh, pay. That's one mm-hmm. more road trip you can take. Chattanooga, I think, is going to operate the same way. I know they're under some financial constraints, but I think they're figuring those out. The Miami clubs, I don't think you need to worry about. Obviously, not New York. The ones I'm really interested in are the Milwaukee's, the um, FC Arizona's. That's a lot of away travel for them, kind of being isolated right there in the middle. Oakland. Oakland's never even kicked a ball. You know, what? Yeah. what's that going to look like? And then you've got the two L- LA-ish teams that, if I'm not mistaken, were just in the UPSL not too long ago, which is even below the NPSL. So for them to make that massive jump up, that's kind of a big ask. Yeah, that's my worry is the clubs that you've never heard of, right? Mm-hmm. Do the people locally know about them to the point where they're going to travel across the country, play in a professional league, um, pay their players a salary, mm-hmm. um, and then they, they, they have to pay a staff off the field, right? A coaching staff and office staff. Um, hopefully a living wage, right? So, mm-hmm. um, that's my worry is the Cosmos, Ricardo Silva and Miami FC. He's a billionaire, right? We don't have to worry about them. Um, Miami United, they seem, uh, well managed down there, but the teams that you've never heard of, um, like the Californias, I think they want to join the NASL. A couple of years ago, Cal FC, uh, no, I think it's Cal United. Mm-hmm. Um, they're owned by a, a local guy who owns, I think, Taco Bell's and this <laughs> local fast food restaurants there in California. Um, but they changed their name to, I think it's Cal United Strikers, some of that FC, because they, they, they have a local partnership with a youth academy there. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that's my worry, but I, I guess Joe Barone, and the NPSL management, I don't think they're stupid people. You know what I mean? I really think that they know what they're doing. Um, they've grown the NPSL to be successful across the country. Um, so I really think for the first time, we have people who want change, uh, that own independent clubs and are stakeholders in independent soccer, 
that are well connected and that I guess they talk often, right? Because the Detroit City FC owner said that he's on a conference call every single day. Mm-hmm. And I don't think the North American Soccer League management or owners were this well connected or maybe talking every day. Uh, I don't think they were on the same page. And I guess that's what led to the failure was because there were, there weren't enough owners that were invested in their club and invested in the long-term success of the league. But I think now there will be. And uh, you have the likes of Detroit City FC who have grown their club, I think, for 10 years, right? Mm-hmm. And they want to take the next level. Or I think that's Chattanooga. But they, they want to take their club to the next level um, and join this new professional league that is uncharted waters for U.S. soccer, right? A A professional league not sanctioned by u.s soccer that's insane (laughs) but this is like the craziness and i guess the coolest thing about the pyramid is that we can do whatever we want if we have enough people club owners fans that want to support it like rocco said let the fans decide right let the fans decide who they want to support in what market so in chattanooga do you want to support Chattanooga FC or do you want to support Chattanooga Red Wolves? Do you want to support NYCFC, the Red Bulls, or the Cosmos? Let the fans decide. Let them decide who they want to support. Not U.S. Soccer, not uh, the the uh, U.S. Soccer president or Major League Soccer. There was this uh, story that they wanted to buy NYCFC, Soccer United Marketing, and Major League Soccer. They wanted to buy the New York Cosmos before Rocco bought the team. So Rocco jumped in and bought the team. Let the fans decide, not an outside organization. Yeah, and I think another thing that NPSL Pro has going for it is the second wave. Um, on one of your last podcasts I was listening to, you mentioned the the Michael Lewis um, article that talked about kind of the the bench that, for whatever reason, these teams are waiting to decide um, if they want to join the second year, the third year of the league. And that bench is absolutely phenomenal. These are the teams that you would have almost assumed maybe would have been in the Founders Cup and been one of the first 11 or 12 or 13. But the likes of Jacksonville, New Orleans, potentially, Mm -hmm. Virginia Beach, and even Asheville is kind of in there. We've got some stadium issues that I can't imagine we would join a professional league um, while our home stadium is being renovated. And I have no, no idea where else we would play. But that second wave is so promising because if you start folding in the Jacksonvilles, the New Orleans, the Virginia beaches, you start to make that travel a lot easier Mm -hmm. and you're bringing underserved areas. There is no MLS team. There is no USL team in Virginia Beach in um, New Orleans. Um, What Jacksonville has is, is unique also. I know Jacksonville has kind of decided that they're going to be in the NPSL this summer and then they're going to evaluate. I think they're just waiting to see what happens. They this the USL D three that's coming in is just upending so much, and I've <laughs> I've had conversations and heard from people you know who either are in the know or work for USL, and they say of course they don't take any consideration whatsoever what NPSL does or what their plans <laughs> are when they decide to go into a market. But I also don't know how you can identify Chattanooga as a market unless you see what the NPSL had done there. So I think that's a little disingenuous to say they don't pay any attention, but then try to, you know, maybe not carpet bag. I, I think that's the wrong way to frame it. But they're they're definitely letting other people test the waters and then trying to come in and capitalize on it. 
Yeah, my, my take on that with the Chattanooga situation, I think I talked about that on the podcast. But see, I, I, I think at first I, I was mad that they're going into the market when they see someone that's successful, right? That's why they're going there um, because they want to sort of knock them off and sort of run them out of business because maybe they thought that, well, Chattanooga doesn't have enough money. They're not rich owners, right? But now they have outside investment, Chattanooga FC. Um but my my thought with this is that the fans of Chattanooga, they're getting mad that there's a new local team there, right? Mm-hmm. Because in New York City, we're mad at, at uh, the Red Bulls or NYCFC. We don't want them to to take our fans or to say that they're the original team here, right? But who are we to say that the fans that like the Red Wolves or like NYCFC can't support them, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, um, uh, imagine if... a um, if there's a new team in, in, uh, Asheville and, and they say you can't support Asheville, the team there, you, you, you can't support Asheville because you have to support their team. You know what I mean? You could support whoever you want. Same thing in Chattanooga, same thing in New York City. We love the Cosmos. They love NYCFC. The fight is on the field, right? The mm-hmm. fight is when you beat them. The Cosmos beat NYCFC. I think it's two times. We beat them at, at Fordham University. And we beat them on pallet shots in uh, Hofstra. Those are great matches, sold out matches, intense matches, a great banter in the stands, and great fight on the field. And that's what you want. You want local derbies. Maybe we're in different leagues, but we could fight in the U.S. Open Cup. Yeah, that sounds very much like what's happening in Greenville, where I think things kind of happen concurrently. Most of the fan bases, they're, um, they're completely okay, kind of going back and forth. I think a lot of what happened in Chattanooga that kind of instilled those harsh and unsettling feelings was almost the, not the backhandedness, but the fact that it seemed to almost happen from within CFC when the GM and the other board member quit and left basically on because some journalism outed them, not because they were released from their contracts and it was a mutual consensual, hey, good luck in the future sort of thing. And it, it just keeps kind of, I wouldn't say getting dirtier, but, you know, they managed to uh, not talk Gretchen into it, but the women's team is now under the USL team banner. Um, there's talk of the academy, which is a regionally um, exceptional academy, maybe going from CFC under the Red Wolves banner. And so... It's not just let's meet on the pitch in Chattanooga. It's almost like you guys are literally coming in, spending money, and kind of taking these other ancillary things away from us. You're absolutely right about that local investment, though, that they got. I forget what the company's called. But I think that's going to – I think that's literally what allowed them to go into the NPSL Pro. I don't think they'll have as many of those issues that obviously – there was conversations in the past and potentially maybe that's even why there was that disagreement on the board between um, uh, Sean that left and Tim that stayed of where is this money coming from? Um, mm-hmm. We're just falling into debt. Finley's kind of a money pit. So, Yeah, that's when there's a problem in a market is when they want to take your success. They mm-hmm. like your success enough to be in the same market. But the fight should be on the field, like I said. The fight should be on the field, not off the field. You should come together and 
be sort of friends, basically, right? They're in the same industry, in the same market. Why can't you come together and maybe share best practices? You're in two different leagues. That's the thing. They're in two different leagues. They're not fighting against each other. They shouldn't be. They, sh- they, they shouldn't be taking the academy uh, away from them. That's wrong on so many levels. They're, they're a brand new team, the Red Wolves, and they want to take their success. You can't have success overnight. You got to get your own fan base. You have to have your own academy and players that want to play in your academy and that want to represent your team. Mm-hmm. Not because you're a professional team sanctioned by U.S. soccer <laughs> yeah. and sanctioned by the Adult Soccer Association. It doesn't matter at the end of the day. Half the fans don't even know what's going on. You know what I mean? Like these lawsuits, people don't know what's going on, but they want to go see local entertainment. And, and that's what your local team is. A time to come together and you, you can have a great time. There should be no fighting on or off the field, but the fight should be with the players. It should be with the players fighting for that 90 minutes. But off the field or after the, the 90 minutes, have a great time with your local residents. So pivoting kind of from amateur ball that went professional to kind of another, I wouldn't call it a side project of yours, um, but I'm fascinated by this. You actually own your own amateur team? Yeah, I started my own team. I, I live in Monmouth County, New Jersey, which we do have a local NPSL team called FC Monmouth. Some people have heard of it. Maybe I don't know if you did. But they're called FC Mama. So I, I started my own team way before they did called Mama and Journalist FC. We haven't kicked a ball yet. We're going to kick a ball in 2019, in the summer of 2019. So we're currently building our roster. And uh, the story behind that is that locally in Mammoth County, or basically in New Jersey, but from my point of view, Mammoth County, New Jersey, um, there's no local team. We have like minor league or uh, in- independent uh, baseball uh, teams. Which they are successful, but there's no like Monmouth County baseball team, hockey team, whatever, uh, soccer team. But we do have the Red Bulls in your, in, in, uh, New, New Jersey. Uh, they play in Harrison, New Jersey, which is about 30 minutes away from Monmouth County. Mm-hmm. So they don't really draw into the, the New Jersey market. They care for the New York market. So it's really insane in the New York, New Jersey market. In New Jersey, there's no, professional sports team besides the New Jersey Devils. They're, they're the only team that say that they are New Jersey, which is, I think is really sad because New Jersey has more people than New York City. We have over 9 million people. New York City has like 8 point something million people. So most of the teams in New Jersey only cater to the New York market because, number one, that's where they can build a stadium. Number two, they want to get sponsors. They want to draw in great players because they're close to New York City. But you're located in New Jersey. So, so basically that, that was my problem with the Red Bulls was that you have nine million people that you can, um, have events with. You can try to attract to your games. You can sell them tickets. That's a lot of people. And you could be called the New Jersey Red Bulls or whatever you want to be called and you can cater to them, but they don't. They want to cater to maybe their local people in Harrison, New Jersey and around the arena and they care for the, the New York market. They have their train station that, is labeled Red Bull Arena, right? So that's who they cater for is the New, the New York market. That's what their team is named, New York Red Bulls. So basically, that was my problem. Local people in Monmouth County were wearing Red Bulls jerseys, but they were never here to promote who they were. They never like market themselves. I, I don't see commercials on local TV. So why do they care? They're only there for the, the New York market. 
So that that's where Mom and Janelle's FC was born, where a team that will cater to the local market. They will say that we're from Monmouth County. You know what I mean? The owner lives in Monmouth County. He cares for the local community. Um, maybe the players, the coach are from the local area. They are from New Jersey, not from Europe or wherever, right? Um, so that's where Mom and Janelle's FC was born. And uh, we're just having our outreach um, in the local area, just telling people who we are. And I think that's the hardest thing is trying to persuade people to invest their time, maybe not their money in the beginning, just their time to say, this is your local team, come support it, come have a great time. All um, the uh, the admission to our games are free of charge. So we're not asking for pe- people to pay to come see the games. We just want you to take your family and, and just have a fun night out. Um, and, and I think that's the hardest thing is uh, just asking people to come support your team because you sort of have to tell them why you want them to support your team because people here in New Jersey, um, I guess they don't like change. They don't like a new thing coming to town, basically. Um, so I feel like that—that's the hardest battle is, is just finding just finding like-minded people to come support your project. And what league are you guys going to compete in? The Garden State. Yeah, the Garden State Soccer League, which is our local state league here. Um, just a summer league. Yeah, so the Garden State Soccer League has multiple divisions. So they have the the standard. Um, you play throughout the European schedule. Uh, but for us, that's not sustainable because people don't know who we are, right? Mm-hmm. People don't know who we are, so why should we play when it's cold out and it's snowing? And <laughs> right, there's not that many options for the Cosmos, right? <laughs> to play, I don't know, 15 matches, 16 matches. But for us, we feel that it's more sustainable to play during the summer. So we will start our preseason in May, a month before the season. Um, and then the season starts in June, and then uh, it, it ends in July, and then the championship match is in August. So basically, it's a short season, but I feel like it's the best time to play. It's the best time for, for, for fans to come out, and I think it's just the best time in New Jersey because we're, we're very famous for the, the Jersey Shore, our local beaches. Um, so I just think it's going to be a good time all around. So building something from the ground up like that, I, I'm so fascinated by amateur ball. And, and I mean that like the step below the NPSL, because as soon as you get into the NPSL, no matter, you know, what, what you're expecting, there's the expectations. You got to pay for charter buses. You've, you know, you've got to provide some sort of um, accoutrements at your game day experience to draw people out to charge them to be able to afford the travel to a sedge or sedge it kind of self-perpetuates but this idea of just amateur ball you know just like motorics doing down in um virginia dc area it's fascinating how how do you go about organizing a club like this how do you how do you approach a coach how do you approach your players and say come get invested in this with me. Do, do you look just locally? Do you go to the colleges? Do you go to the high schools? Do you go to the next county over and try to talk them into it? Well, basically, we found a coach. His, his name is Carlos Figueroa. Um, so he seems like a very nice guy, and we've talked to him multiple times. Um, and uh, so he's the coach. He's our, our, our Pep Guardiola. I, jo- I, I joked around with him like, oh, I'll bring – gonna play tiki taka right I, I don't know if you know about that but like yeah 
that's the style of play. <laughs> and he's like, oh, yeah, if, if, if the players want to play that way, right? So if, if we have the, the proper players for that, we're not a professional soccer team. So we can't bring in the likes of Manchester City type players. Um, but that was just a joke, of course. But um, <laughs> yeah, so basically we just found success on social media, right? Social media is a very cool place. Um, so we have, we, we've had players contact us from Brazil saying, can we play for your team? And we're like, well, we're not there yet. You know what I mean? Like to the point where we can just get people from Brazil over here that are young and want to ha- have a career here in America. Um, but yeah, just locally players, um, players on social media that live locally that want to play. Like today, um, we're going to go meet this player. And we're going to go officially sign them to the team. So you can find that announcement. And this is a, a they're smarter than us exclusive. Um, <laughs> we're going to announce that new player on Monday. Um, so yeah, so we're, Mom and Generals FC are just building um, the club on and off the field. And I think at the moment, the important part is on the field because without the players, we can't play. Um, but uh, yeah, so we're going to free admission. Um, we just want people to come out. So maybe the fan experience won't be the best, right? Because we're a brand new team. Um, but the experience is a authentic soccer game, right? Mm-hmm. I, I, I just a think a, a lot of people lose that part, right? The Cosmos mm-hmm. have Cosmos girls. Okay, that's from back in the day. But we still have that tradition. But say you were a new team. Will you have cheerleaders? Will you have this? Well, no, we won't. In the beginning, maybe, because we want to have that authentic soccer experience where you just come for the soccer. You're not coming for a concert before the mm-hmm. game or after the game. You're just coming for the soccer game to support your local team. And I think that's the most important part is that we're Monmouth County and proud. We're from Monmouth County and we're proud to have the team. We're proud to represent the local people. You know what I mean? We're Monmouth County and proud. Authentic. I love it. That's That's such an important word, especially when describing local soccer. Well, John, I'll let you go. You got you got a player to sign. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but um, thanks so much for chatting with us, and um, I would love to check back in with you. Um, maybe maybe in the middle of the summer, see how your season's going. We'll talk a little NPSL and see where things are going. Hey, sounds good. I would awesome. love that. Awesome, John. Thank you so much. My pleasure. I guess that's why they call us the Blues. Time on our hands could be time spent with Bruce. Drinking like tourists, yelling like drunkards, scoring some sunners. We'll win you over. And I guess that's why they call us the Blues. You've been listening to the You're Smarter Than Us podcast, a proud member of the Soccer and Sweet Tea Network. Check us out on social media at your underscore smarter or shoot us an email at yoursmarterthanus at gmail.com.